I was searching so hard to find my purpose when I realized my purpose is me. It's who I am as a person. And that's the same for every single person. Ask yourself, who are you? And it's such a difficult question to answer because society has told us to be 20 million things apart from ourselves. They want us to be this mold, be this way, fit in this box. So you have to undo that. It is such a process. So I had to really sit with myself and discover who am I authentically? Who is Moon? So I've seen that you have described yourself as a rebel beforehand. Where have you seen that? <laughs> 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 I, I actually thought about that. I was like, where is that information? Oh, as you've, um, you've done an interview about some, I think it was like a vegan clothing brand. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would definitely describe myself as a rebel with a cause. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that every person should have a cause. We should have something we stand for, right? So for me, it's veganism. Mm -hmm. And it has been for the past 10 years. I've been vegetarian since I was a child. Um, and for me, I'm very much about treating animals with compassion and kindness, just how we treat you know, fellow humans. Because in my mind, there's, there's no difference, right? We feel... We, we feel emotion, we have souls, we feel pain, we feel fear. So for me, um, I very much stand by, yeah, being a rebel with the cause. Rebel with the cause, okay, <laughs> got it, got it. Um, yeah. Would you say there are other parts in your life where you might be a rebel, Necessar not necessarily with a cause, but maybe it's against the cause? Yes, absolutely, that's a great question. Um, I feel like... My whole life, I've been in pursuit of rebelling against society in some way, shape, or form. And it's not been deliberate. It's just been the path that I've been on just quite organically and naturally. Um, I would say I've never... Well, for as long as I can remember, I haven't really walked the straight and narrow path. Mm -hmm. I've always had kind of... Um, alternative interests or hobbies or passions. Um, I really like to experiment with my look. In the past, I would say, I don't know if it's been like, probably since childhood and even in recent years, it's like every year I have a totally different hairstyle, whether it's like pink or green or blue. So I'd say the way I express myself as well is quite rebellious physically. And very much in terms of not conforming to the norms of society. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's so key and that's so important because society has for way too long has tried to control the way we live our lives, the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we carry ourselves. And for me, I'm very much rebelling against those norms because I have my own mind, I have my own heart, my own way of thinking and expressing myself. So this is very much in terms of, you know, being vegan is one, not drinking alcohol. Um, I mean, it's there's a really long list actually of, of things that are very non-conformist. Um, I'm actually 40 years old and I refuse to be labeled by society as 
40 years old, I have a shelf life as a woman. Absolutely not. My life is just beginning now. So I would say, yeah, very anti-ageist as well. So I'm rebelling against um, the norm of that, as well as whatever maybe beauty standards there are. I'm just like, I cut my hair off actually this short and I would never have had the courage or the guts to do this. I did it like one or two years ago as I was approaching 40. And it's now that I'm 40 that I actually have more confidence than ever before. I'm more confident, I'm more comfortable in my skin and I feel more empowered than ever. So for me, it's really, um, it's just a way, being a rebel is just taking your power back. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I definitely can relate. It definitely feels as you get older, you become more comfortable into your skin and more comfortable, comfortable in the decisions you make, the things that you like and things you don't like. Um, and I want to go back to what you said about always on an unconventional path, especially at a younger age. You don't realize it, but you're doing different from what society is doing. And what you said was like, you're trying to confirm against society because society is doing all these negative things. But then at a young age, when you're not doing what society tells you to do, you feel like you're the outsider, right? Yeah. Where you're like, if everyone's doing this, what's wrong with me? Why am I not doing that? So how, when did that switch kind of flip into... I'm not the outsider. I'm the one that's doing things right. It's society that's trying to teach people to do things wrong. I would say that's been an evolution. And I feel like the more that I've grown in age, the more time has passed, the more I've been able to really embrace that. Because there was a time when I did... Um, I was really influenced by society and especially my generation. We were very much told that we have to live our lives in a certain way. And it was about, you know, going to high school, finishing high school, then immediately going to university, then specializing. And there was this road and this path set out for you. And then from there, you meet somebody generally when you're studying at, you know, doing your higher studies, you then get married, you get a house, you have kids, there's this whole kind of structure in place. And there, yeah, there was a point where I did try to traverse that path and it did not fulfill me at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, it left me pretty empty. Um, as a child, I really loved writing. That was always a passion. I used to write poetry from as young as I can remember. And it was really deep and dark poetry. It wasn't like, you know, nursery rhyme style. Um, I loved writing. My teachers always and foresaw that I would be a writer. And it's literally taken me my entire lifetime, though, to actually believe that I'm a writer and to take action on it. Mm. So that's been a bit of a process as well. But I would say feeling the pressure of conforming to society's norms did was very much in the sense of 
feeling like I had to study something, I had to go to university, great, I did my double major, I did my BA, then, okay, you have to specialize now, and I felt so much pressure, and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do, I'm a kid, how can I decide and make this huge life decision now? Um, Because I loved writing, I chose journalism, but that was, again, a result of the pressures of society, and it is over time that I've really broken free from that and really been able to embrace more of that rebellious spirit Mm -hmm. it's interesting i like that um and totally what you say like it's crazy how much how many decisions and how important those decisions you have to make at the age of 18 19 20 and even younger than that like um, if you specialize in secondary school or high school at like 15 16 it's like you're locked away from all the other opportunities in the world especially creative subjects like art Mm -hmm music and so on and so forth like um i stopped studying music when i was 15 um and i used to play the saxophone and i loved it but because of the way i was brought up i knew that doing music was never going to be an acceptable life choice for myself to my parents kind of thing and i didn't have enough i say i wouldn't have enough support to tell me that i can do it or believe in it enough to actually make it into something which is full-time something that I can enjoy doing something that can make me money and and a lifestyle from um which is quite interesting but um so you said that you enjoyed writing and you went into journalism so weren't that like in line with your passion and things that you were good at yes so it very much was however when you're writing professionally full-time and that's all you're doing, it really takes the joy out of it. <laughs> um, especially writing as a journalist, you have to write to deadlines. Yeah. So it was the pressure of delivering these articles regularly. It really took the joy out of it. Mm. And um, yeah, it killed the joy. And eventually I just, I no lo- it was no longer fulfilling. Yeah. How did that kind of like evolution take place in terms of, Was it over like a number of months, number of years when you decided to say, I'm not going to do this anymore? So I was a journalist for six years. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was living in India. So to give you a quick overview, so it makes sense and there's some context. So I was born in the UK. I grew up in America. I lived in New Zealand also, where I did some of my high school and higher studies. I studied journalism there, and then I, I'm i Indian by origin, and I had never really experienced my own culture. So I said to my grandparents, they were staying with us at the time at our family home in New Zealand, and I said to them, how about me moving to India, staying with you, and working as a journalist? And they're like, brilliant, we love the idea. Of course they love that you know youthful company and having their granddaughter there. So they were super enthusiastic. I asked my professor and he's like, yes, do it. Like, that's going to be so exciting. That's such a great, um, yeah, just a a great opportunity for you to explore. And obviously there's so much diversity and culture and color and liveliness. So I packed my bags. It's my Sagittarius rising, very spontaneous. I packed my bags and I literally just, went off to India Um, so I didn't have my papers so I had to work for free for six months I would get around on cycle rickshaws in the middle of the summer in the heat no matter what Um, 
my grandparents did not believe in like spoiling you and you should have a car and a driver. No, it's like hustle, earn your own way, you know, and it's great because it taught me so much about discipline and um, yeah, just, just perseverance. It taught me so many valuable lessons. So uh, it was a really exciting time in my life, actually. You know, I was like mid-20s and I had all that like excitement of being in this new place. And so after I got my paperwork, my visa and whatever, I was able to begin working. I got a job for one of the most popular um, magazines there. So it's a very, very popular magazine. And then I got, after that, I got another job in, um, for one of the national daily papers. So one of the major dailies. Um, and I went on to then be managing a team for the features, the basically feature writing team, which is more like the magazine section. So I went on to be managing that team for North India. It was a very, very fulfilling career. Then living in India, I ended up meeting somebody and due to societal pressure, we were pressured to get married. And from the, there, there's a lot of uh, cultural expectations there, right? So we were pressured kind of into getting married. So we just decided, okay, great. We are, we'll, we love each other. We'll just go ahead with it. And, um, when we decided, I think I was like 26, he was 27. I look back now and I'm like, never get married, never decide to get married <laughs> at 26, mid-20s. You are a baby, you're way too young. Anyway, we did. It's, it's really interesting in India. It's like Shadi fever. Shadi means weddings, like marriage. It's like this intoxicating culture you kind of get just swept away in it it's very Bollywood it really is that aspect is very Bollywood so we and then everyone around you is getting married so anyway we came to that pressure we got we ended up getting married and then there was the next step which was living with my in-laws because in India again that is the expectation so I really tried to embrace every everything that came my path like came in in my path and I really tried to embrace it and make the most of it and you know just embrace it with open arms so I did and you know we're living in this joint family situation and it was fine it's just that eventually we realized quite quickly after being married we realized we really don't know each other we dated a year got engaged and then got married after another year and we never lived together. You don't truly know someone unless you live with them, right? But it felt partly arranged in that sense. And after some months, we realized that we were just not as compatible as we imagined we were. So it was during this breakdown of the marriage that I started questioning my life. And I started questioning why am I here in this situation, which I didn't really imagine for myself, being married in India so young, then in a joint family. And I started questioning everything, and my career was one of those things. So I quit my career in journalism, and I went off to the Himalayas 
to the Himalayan mountains and I studied yoga. I was already a regular yoga practitioner. I would practice um, at home mainly or at studios about six days a week. So I thought, I'm so passionate about yoga, why not just do a teacher training course? So I did a 200-hour teacher training course in Ashtanga yoga, which is a very, very serious <laughs> advanced style of yoga. And um, I just went off. I did this course. It's one of the best things I've ever done in my life. But doing that course, what I really took away from it is yoga teaching was not where my heart was at. I, I love practicing, but teaching is not my purpose. But doing that course is still, it was amazing because it deepened my understanding of yoga. Yoga is not a physical practice. It is a spiritual path. And I really learned so much about it during that time. So that was invaluable. Um, and then it was after that I had traveled to the UK on a holiday. So it was basically to get away from this period of separation. And, you know, my friend lived in London. She invited me to come and stay with her. Uh, I'm already, you know, a citizen and things like that. So it was easy. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll come back and spend the summer here. I ended up meeting somebody. So I moved back here. And then I spent the next almost a decade being lost, confused, and not knowing how to start my life over again in terms of my career. So the past decade has been so much trial and error, trying to find my purpose, not being able to, because I wasn't doing it with the right intention. It was always, again, being kind of swayed by society's expectations. So I thought, okay, um, oh, I should be an entrepreneur. You know how like, it's so trendy to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, I should be an entrepreneur. And so I tried different like small brands. Um, I'm really into jewelry. So I tried thinking, okay, maybe I can start a, a jewelry brand. I had a, a spiritual streetwear brand. And I realized that retail was not for me, like my heart's not in it. For me, I felt my purpose was different. And it was something that took a lot of, I would say, heartache to really figure it out. It was a very frustrating um, time in my life, feeling lost, and feeling like, I just don't know how to find my way again. So it really was from that journalism career, which I left at the age of 30, until almost the age of 40, where I was riding this roller coaster and going through these waves of, you know, up and down and excitement and then, oh, crashing because it's not going the way that I had imagined it would. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, know, there's so. a lot. There's a lot. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, um, yeah. thank you for sharing that with me. Um, because I can only imagine, like, I guess the feelings, like emotionally, and dealing with your own emotions, but also having to deal with, like, family's emotions, like a lot of people around you. Um, and in my head, I'm thinking back to your your folks in New Zealand where you went to India and then you went to the UK <laughs> and they probably felt, I don't know, this is a bit of a random question, but like, did you feel disconnected from them? 
as well? Like, did, did, did you ever think to go back to New Zealand or was it always a case of, like, trying to start yeah, anew, would you say? Yeah, um, I am very independent, so I'm not someone that needs my family. Uh, I think I'm just used to having that independence since childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who I've travelled around a lot as well. I've just decided, okay, you know... I'll just up and go from America to New Zealand, because why not? And then from New Zealand to India and India to the UK. So I I feel like I am very independent from my family. And I don't really like necessarily have to have them nearby or their support in that way. Because I know they're always there for me if I need them. Mm -hmm. On that point of independence, how does that like manifest in some of your personal relationships like with friends like do you find it easy to I guess being vulnerable um expressing when you need help like especially on those th- that, that like say decade of like feeling like for lack of a better word like what am I doing like was it something you was dealing with by yourself or did you have like friends to kind of support you on that journey so I had my partner at the time Um, We were together then for almost a decade, so Mm. pretty much up until last year. So he was really my rock, like my family, and he still is. He's still my rock. He's still my family. So I really had him um, by my side to bounce ideas off of, to... um, He was my support system, and I I do have friends as well who are female entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. or females with their own brands. So it has been great to be able to brainstorm together, bounce ideas off one another, to motivate each other. Um, Sometimes we'll have, like, co-working days and we'll share what we're up to and mm. then we'll give each other ideas because it's easier when you're not so closely involved and you can kind of see it from another perspective. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You always need that perspective, I'm telling you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially like when you're deep in it, like um, sometimes it can feel very like isolated, like there's no one that understands you, but it's only when you can have those conversations that people actually share that they're also going through the same thing. Yes. And it's like that kind of um, shared camaraderie with what mm-hmm. you're going through um so like, I guess like during that time did you know you were feeling a bit lost or is it something when you look back on it becomes a bit more apparent would you say I would say I felt it in the time I'm a very um kind of self-aware person and I I knew something was missing and I felt a void I felt an emptiness mm-hmm. and I don't like to feel that because I I feel like there's so much that we can do with our lives. There's so much potential we have within us. And I really felt so frustrated, like I was wasting it away. Mm. And my self-worth really suffered in having that period of feeling lost and feeling like I'm not living my potential, I'm not achieving, I'm not succeeding in anything I'm trying. I, I felt also moving to New Zealand and India, there are two countries that are very different culturally from America. Mm-hmm. So America, you're really kind of raised to be very confident and very dynamic and, you know, go after everything you want, very ambitious. And then New Zealand, it's culturally, it's a bit more laid back and relaxed. So I felt I also kind of 
embody that and took that on a bit more and then mm-hmm. India again it's culturally it's different and I was not living in a big metropolitan city I was living in North India in Chandigarh which is part of Punjab so it's a bit it's a smaller city and it's more conservative so I just felt all these layers every time I moved to one of these places I felt all these layers accumulate and when I moved to London I kind of feel like I was a shell of myself especially coming out of that divorce Mm -hmm. I felt that really was a blow as well and I I did feel my self-esteem and everything dwindle so when I moved here I was a shell of myself like even if I wanted to walk into a magazine here and apply for a job I wouldn't have had the the self-worth to do so I wouldn't have had that self-belief so this past decade has also really been rebuilding that because without that it is impossible to live our potential you will only achieve what you believe you can yeah that's it the difficulty with that is when you conflate your belief with your experiences Mm. so how do you take the step forward and saying regardless of what i've been through i still believe in myself like i still believe what i'm capable of doing so like how do you get back to that state of mind would you say yeah, it was a journey. It was definitely a journey. Um, I feel like taking some action steps along the way. Also, there was a lot of encouragement from my ex-partner. He was very much somebody, he thinks really big and he's a visionary and he very much would encourage me to step out of my shell Mm. and you know so he's the one that really pushed me into taking risks and steps and doing things that I was at that time I didn't have the self-belief so it was just through slowly slowly taking these action steps so one example was as I mentioned before I loved writing poetry since childhood and he's like I saw that at Box Park this was many years ago they had these um, spoken word poetry nights Mm -hmm. and I wasn't someone who wrote to recite it in public but I love the idea of it and um, he pushed me into it I just was like oh this is happening at Box Park oh that would be cool he's like yep we're doing it oh it's on tonight okay we're going tonight (laughs) (laughs) I was like Ooh, alrighty. <laughs> well, let's do this then. Mm. And I, I kind of, um, yeah, I guess I was so nervous, but I just did it. And then I did it another time after that. And then um, being a vegan activist, I was really passionate about these new vegan discoveries, especially within fashion, because People talk so much about vegan food and, you know, but they don't talk too much about the other things like the clothing part. That's not talked about as frequently. Mm. So I became really interested in, okay, vegan style is like, there. you can be cool and be completely vegan, you know, mm. like you can dress well and be vegan. It's not what it used to be, say, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. 
uh, where, you know, there's a stereotype of linen and (laughs) kurtas and, you know, those long shirts and all of that. But um, so, yeah, so he again pushed me into getting into vegan fashion blogging. Mm So that was really his encouragement. And I remember how awkward I was in the beginning because you have to take photos of yourself wearing these clothes in public, mm-hmm. right? Because the lighting is good, natural light, all of that. And I remember cringing. Like I remember <laughs> being so like in my shell and just not confident. And the more I just did it, you know, the more confident I became. I remember one time I was standing outside of my place taking pictures and these two girls in a car drove past and they started laughing at me and like pointing and making fun of me. And I was like, you've got this, you're good. Like, you know, and I started building up confidence where things like that wouldn't really bother me. So it was step by step by step. So there were there was a lot of progress over the past decade, um, but it does take time because when you experience a number of things that affect you, it's a process of undoing. So you have to be patient, you have to be kind to yourself, and you have to persevere, yeah. right, and not give up. And this is something I'd say... Probably my mother has instilled in me, my grandparents have instilled in me. It really is about just perseverance. Mm-hmm. If you have that, you can get through anything. And it was that determination and not giving up. So then during the pandemic, I had you know some free time. So I was like, okay, well, um, I'm gonna take rap lessons. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I have to say, I my writing like, was good. Like, and I had no idea that it was so complex and complicated to put together rap lyrics. Like, mm-hmm. it's not easy. You know, <laughs> it's like double, triple syllables yeah. minimum. There's no such thing as a single syllable rhyme. And like, I learned so much, and my delivery wasn't great. I I will admit, um, because I was trying to be something I wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like very easy to try to, you know, take on what you hear. Mm -hmm. And then my rap coach kept saying to me, just be yourself. Like, just, just literally like talk through the lyrics. That's it. And he did say, he's like, your writing is really good, but you do have to work on the delivery. And um, I remember being teased for that as well, because I would share some of it online. Mm -hmm. And I was teased for it too. And I was like, well, you know, they don't have to like it. They don't have the courage to try. So that's not my problem. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. When someone's got a problem with you, it's nothing to do with you. It's not your problem. It's theirs. And you can just just practice compassion for them Mm -hmm. and, you know, just let it go. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think with the points that you mentioned, the one thing you should always add, or you could always, you could also add would be like the, like being, being, being willing, like actually wanting to try it because there's, countless times so for example when your ex-partner said let's go to this poetry tonight Mm. you could have said no Mm. 
mm. but you were still willing to put yourself out there. And sometimes that's what it takes. Like if you're really determined, like are you willing to actually put in the work or are you just expecting things to happen? Are you expecting like a glitch in the matrix to make things happen for you rather than actually putting yourself out there and therefore like learning through it? absolutely yeah it's all about that willingness to try if you don't put yourself out there if you don't take that first step Mm. it's never gonna happen yeah yeah so for me i feel like i've been able to face my fears Mm -hmm. through just trying Mm -hmm. and just taking action so when did things start to really click in terms of discovering your purpose and feeling a little less lost that was during the pandemic I had some time on my hands, right? Most people are on furlough and things like that. I was, I had an office job at the time. That was never my purpose. It was just something I was doing, always having that dream that I was going to build something of my own. But I think what happens when you begin to have a salary, you get complacent. Mm. And that's what happened to me. So I ended up staying in this office a lot longer than I anticipated. So the pandemic for me was such a blessing because it allowed me to have time away from that and to have time to really just go within and reflect. So it was a lot of self-reflection. There was a lot of, this is my opportunity. I can either just sit back and chill and do nothing, or I can make the most of it. And I chose the latter, because I'm like, this is my opportunity to change my life. And if there's something that I crave, it's that. It's for me, my whole value is in my career and what I'm doing with my path. It's not about having a relationship or a marriage or a house. For me, it's in living my purpose. And that's something I really, really desire. And so I'm like, this is my opportunity. I'm not going to waste it. So for months, all I did was immerse myself in personal development. Whether it was podcasts, audiobooks, whatever. I'm doing the dishes. I've got my, you know, earphones in or I'm watching YouTube and it's going to be something related to personal development. 24-7, I was walking, listening to something personal, motivational, personal development. I was doing my dishes. I was doing my chores, whatever it was. 24-7, that's all I did. And because I just immersed myself and I didn't give up, I figured it out. And so it was, it was during the pandemic now. What I realized was I was searching so hard to find my purpose when I realized my purpose is me. It's who I am as a person. And that's the same for every single person. Ask yourself, who are you? And it's such a difficult question to answer because society has told us to be 20 million things apart from ourselves. They want us to be this mold be this way, fit in this box. So you have to undo that. It is such a process. So I had to really sit with myself and discover who am I authentically? Who is Moon? And that really took me um, a lot of soul searching, 
A really key question that a, I believe it was Brian Tracy who asked this during, I was watching like one of his videos on finding your purpose. And one of the things he said was, what did you most enjoy as a child from the age of about seven to 12? What really did you find yourself just naturally immersing yourself in, naturally enjoying? What were you doing? You know, not something your parents were telling you to do or your friends wanted you to do. What were you doing? And I was like, oh, well, I was really into spirituality. (laughs) Like I loved, you know, crystals and tarot cards and angels and auras and energy. I loved all that as a child. That lit me up. It gave me um, this kind of passion and purpose, just knowing that all these amazing magical things exist in the world. That just lit me up. And I used to also write, right? So it was like poetry and it was all this spirituality. And naturally I'm someone who loves to like help others, motivate, uplift others. Like that's just what I do with my friends. Like in my friendship circle, I'll be that like person that is pepping people up and really uplifting people. No matter who I'm around, that's just what I do. So I was like, okay. It's all making sense now. Right, so spiritual self-development, that's very much a two, that motivating people, uplifting people. So I figured it out then. So I had to ask myself a series of questions, do a lot of reflection, journaling, soul searching. And then I just came back to me. So I'm like, okay, my purpose is spirituality and personal development, helping other people with these things, right? And then I was like, okay, great. That's my purpose. Now what do I do with it? (laughs) That's a whole, that's a whole nother thing, right? (laughs) So what do I do with it? Okay. Well, interestingly, sometimes I get psychic readings and in 2019, I had a reading and the psychic said to me, At that time, I was very into my vegan fashion blogging, and I thought that I was going to start a vegan fashion brand. So I, she said to me, um, oh, I see you doing uh, retreats, you know, like mindfulness, meditation. At that time, I was like, no, that was so different from what I had anticipated, where I was in my life. I was like, no, 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 I'm into vegan fashion. <laughs> you know, I'm, into, I'm a fashionista. Like, <laughs> there's no way. You know, at that time, I, was, I really rejected that. Mm. But obviously, it planted a seed. And I guess she was a good psychic <laughs> because I actually started my brand as a retreats business. So it was called Over the Moon Retreats. Mm -hmm. So I started in that format. And that format looked like a one-day retreat in central London. So it's kind of like we were coming out of the pandemic, people were not traveling as frequently, so you can still have this day away but you don't have to travel far. You're just in the city at a beautiful venue called Mission Works in Hammersmith. It's like the dreamiest venue in London, Mm -hmm. hands down. And they have this beautiful like hanging garden and it's got all this greenery. It's like the most idyllic setting. So I hosted these full day retreats there. 
and they would be like, I would get, um, I'd collaborate with other experts. So they would come in, someone would do a sound healing session. Someone would do maybe an inner work session where you're like looking within to try to um, kind of like heal and grow. Uh, then we had one could, someone could also do face yoga or a number of different activities. It depends upon what the theme was. Yeah. So I would create the retreats, design them, execute them, market them. Um, I would onboard sponsors for gift bag items. I would try to seek out sponsors for lunch as well. It was a big production for one day. uh, And I did them actually monthly. So one a month and it was a big production. But I learned so many skills and I also learned, I'm actually really good at this. Like I'm Mm -hmm. really good at event planning. I'm really good at securing sponsors. Like I learned so much along the way. I realized though that it wasn't fulfilling me because I felt like I was more organizing it. I was at that time almost 40 years of age and I'm like, I have so much wisdom, like so much to share with others and I love teaching so that's when the brand grew into or changed shape into a personal brand so from retreats to a personal brand under my name as an expert and the universe then because I was taking those steps to align with my true authentic self and align with my purpose to help others, right? So that's for the greater good. When you're helping others, when you're trying to make an impact, the universe will also aid you in that process because you're doing something good, right? You're putting out positive energy, so that's going to come back. And I then, um, the universe basically told me that manifesting was what I needed to do. I hosted a manifesting retreat in January last year and it was called Manifest 2022. And that we had like a series of different activities. I had a journalist contact me from the Observer magazine asking if they could come to cover my retreat and interview me. And then that came out, that article. Then I had other brands contacting me to to do you know, manifesting sessions for their clients or their teams or whatever. And that just kind of happened. That's something that, you know, the the universe really supported me in that because I was like, I need a direction. I need something that's going to be fulfilling. And now I've come to the point where it's like, you know, there's more I want to share beyond manifesting. Manifesting itself is a beautiful, comprehensive topic It is a very, very comprehensive personal development practice, which it's like an umbrella. There's many things that fall within that. And, but I wanted to still talk about things beyond that as well. So currently I am working on a project and then I will be yeah, next year I will be sharing, you know, there'll be a new set of teachings and a new set of um, practices to empower others. That's awesome. That's amazing. So with the people that come to your retreats or contact you directly, what areas of their life are they essentially looking to solve, would you say? So now, okay, so now what I do 
as you could say, a self-empowerment expert and a speaker. So I will do talks, masterclasses, workshops, one-on-one mentoring. I have a membership as well. So this really helps people work on their spiritual and self-development on an ongoing basis. So every month. So we have, with this, we have two live Zoom classes every month. So those are 90-minute workshops where you know, one, we are really journaling, we're reflecting, we're releasing, practicing forgiveness, practicing gratitude. Um, and then the the next session will be more, again, reflecting, thinking about our goals and our intentions. What do we want to manifest? So it's very, um, it's about empowerment. It's about leveling up. It's about improving your life. So people would become members who want to level up who want to really work on themselves on an ongoing basis, who want to be more self-aware so they can step into their power, so they can manifest their goals. So that's, so people would come to me for, for that. It's interesting because people have also seen my journey from going from doing something completely different to developing a personal finding my purpose and developing a personal brand so I actually have a lot of people come to me for one-on-one mentoring for this helping people find their purpose and turn it into a personal brand or helping them find their purpose and incorporating it into their career or their lives so this is something that I help people with a lot I also do one-on-one mentoring where it's more, you know, just self-empowerment, building confidence, um, you know, it could be building self-worth, more self-love, being able to charge more for your services, networking, um, improving the relationships you have in your lives, you know, like these kind of things. So that, and then I do also like one-off kind of manifesting masterclasses with people, like let's say one-on-one, where they can choose an area of their life they want to work on, and then I'll help them take the steps to manifest that goal. So let's talk about manifestation yes. for a second, because um, my understanding of it is quite limited, to say the least. Um, but from what I understand of it, it's like you think about what you really want, what you deserve is yours kind of vibe. And you might say certain words like in the mirror to make yourself believe it, like kind to trying to trying to prime your subconscious, as it were. Um, is that, number one, is my understanding correct? And if not, tell me a little bit more about where I'm going wrong. So give me a crash course in terms of manifestation, and especially for people who are a little bit sceptical, how do you make it a bit more tangible? Like, have you got any examples as well that will also really help? Yeah, so firstly, my greatest manifestation was finding my life purpose. Mm-hmm. And that, that, was a, that was my intention, and then it happened. And because of that, I am living the life I've always dreamed of. So that's number one. So that's an example of what I've manifested um, that's been something really meaningful and life-changing for me. Um, yes, so there is a lot, there are a lot of misconceptions around manifesting and a lot of like um, kind of woo-woo it's like this woo-woo magical type of thing. It's actually a self-development practice. And that means that there are a number of different steps that you take 
and you have to take all of those steps. You can't just necessarily, it's not about just thinking about something and then it happens. Mm -hmm. Although there is truth in that too, because there is something known as the law of attraction. So whatever you are putting out there is going to come back to you. So have you noticed sometimes that you might be thinking, oh no, this is this like bad thing is going to happen to me, like, and you're just anticipating it and then it yeah. happens. Yeah. Or you might be thinking of somebody and then they contact you. Mm-hmm. So this is like all the law of attraction. So if you're constantly telling yourself, I'm no good, I'm not smart, I'm not good enough, you're manifesting that. So that's a law of attraction. If you are telling yourself and you're, it's not just telling yourself though, there has to be that belief. This is why it's a practice because it's building more self-belief, self-worth, self-love. So there are a number of steps involved. Um, but What are those steps? So, okay, so there's many different things. One would be getting really clear on what it is that you want because a lot of people might be like, okay, I want to um, manifest a new job. Vague. That's fake. The The universe will give you what you want. So you know you have to know what you want, right? That's a law of attraction. You have to get really clear and specific. So clarity is everything. So firstly, and if you don't know what you want, then take a pause and don't intentionally manifest. We are manifesting all the time, actually, 24-7. Because whatever you're thinking you're putting out there that's coming back to you. So we're constantly manifesting. So when you take control of it, when you consciously manifest, that's when you can really change your life for the better. So you wanna do it with intention because there's so much power in that intention. So firstly, get clear, get specific. What do you want? Like I said, if you don't know what you want, then you need to go away, think about it, and then show up when you're ready. So get clear, get specific, then think about how is that going to make you feel when you have that? Because again, manifesting is not just about thinking, it's about feeling. It's about really putting your heart and your emotion into it. Then it's about what is that going to look like? It's about visualizing it as well. In your your in your mind cannot differentiate between something that is actually happening in real life and something that you're visualizing happening like as if it's actually happening. So your brain cannot tell the difference, right? So one could be I am running and I'm actually physically running and I'm winning the marathon, let's say, or a race or whatever, and I'm winning. The other scenario could be I'm just sitting down and I'm visualizing myself winning, but I'm feeling it, I'm thinking it, I'm seeing it, I'm hearing the crowd applaud, I'm feeling myself run through the finish line. I'm, you know, your brain cannot tell the difference. So that means you you have the ability to grow new neural pathways. That means you're changing the course of your life. 
we have the power to do that. So this is why it's such a beautiful practice. Visualization is something that not everyone is naturally good at. It takes time. You need to keep practicing. I would recommend doing like guided visualization meditations online. You can keep listening to those. Um, even just sitting for five minutes every day and trying to feel and see and, you know, be in that moment and that vision of what you desire. So another thing is writing it down, which is known as scripting and doing that. So once you know what it is you want, right, you have that clarity, you know how it's going to make you feel, right? And, but wait, before you write it down, I want you to think about why do you want that? For me, manifesting, when you're manifesting for the benefit of maybe others, the world around you, when it's not self-centered, I think that's really when the magic happens. Because we can easily say, oh, I really want this new bag or this new material thing. But what's the point? What's the point? Like, it's great if you have, if it's going to mean something to you. Like, okay, I want to manifest um, this two-bedroom apartment for my mother because she lives alone, because she needs it, because I want to help and support her because she's helped me and given me so much and this is the least I can do for her. Beautiful. Like, do think whatever you do, I really believe in doing things with love mm -hmm. and in intention, not superficially for the heck of it. Yeah. That's just my personal belief. No, I hear you. And I it's you. not like you can't do that, but mm. I, I just don't see the point. I, It could just be how I am. Like, for me, things need to have meaning and they need to have substance and emotion behind it. Mm. I'm not going to do things superficially. And I don't recommend that anybody manifests for superficial purposes. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think um, it's a bit tricky, though, because I feel sometimes like some people are in survival mode and so when you're in survival mode like all you're focused on is just getting enough money to eat or just to live your life kind of thing like you haven't been able to go into the next step or the next stage of thinking or maybe you just don't have the capacity to where you can think about other people outside of yourself well this is not superficial because mm. this is something you need like this mm. is that's a great reason of 100% if you need something to survive mm -hmm. to function to thrive 100% mm. manifest all of that that's you need that that comes first yeah yeah i mean it's more when you have your, you know, comforts, whatever, and then, you know, sometimes people just think, okay, next from here, I want to get a bag or I want to get you, this or I want to get that, you yeah, know? But okay. of course, if you, if there are certain things you need to survive 100% and that's, there's so much emotion behind that. There's so much purity of intention behind that. And of course, so yeah, you need to, like I said, so get clear on what you want, right? and feel the emotion behind it, be able to visualize it, and really think of your why. Why do you want that? When you have that strong intention and reason for desiring something, mm. you will stick to it. 
this is exactly how I have stayed vegan for 10 years and I've been vegetarian most of my life because my why is so strong. Mm -hmm. It's because I care about the welfare of animals. That's my why. Mm -hmm. So the same thing applies. The why gives you that conviction. It gives you that purpose and that drive to keep going. On that as well, like, how do you understand what your why is, especially if you haven't got clarity sometimes? Like, what comes first? Is it the clarity in terms of what your goals are? Or is it the why being close to who you are and what you drive meaning for? Well, they go hand in hand mm -hmm. because when you're thinking about what you want, think about what you want and then ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like that reason is not strong enough, mm -hmm. then let it go. Mm -hmm. uh, this is another important thing about the why. It's the authenticity right is do you why do you want this do you want this because it's so authentic to your heart and your true desires or do you want this because your parents actually want that for you yeah or society is telling you that's what you should strive for mm. how do you get closer to understanding because we, we started a segment about purpose about like knowing who you are like internally like getting closer to who you are regardless of what society says like how do you embark on that journey is it through journaling like trying to understand your thoughts is it going through therapy is it like listening to different like kind of podcasts or books like what would you say is the first way to get closer to understanding who you are then so you mean like just getting to know yourself yeah to know or? yourself yeah because um we started this by saying like your purpose is who you are yes right and knowing who you are and linking it to purpose can be such a hard thing because it's like, I, f I find the word purpose is being in service to other people. But then knowing who you are and knowing what service you can provide to people can also feel, I don't say counterintuitive, but it's like, like how do you know what your, your skills are or what you're on this earth to provide to people, is it, if that makes sense? So, yeah, I mean, finding your purpose, it takes, it definitely, it can take some time. Um, so this is why I've created a mentoring program, because mm -hmm. it's not that straightforward, only because society has conditioned us to not be our true selves. It's like the media, it's, you know, there are all these messages with this whole commercialization of the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is, you know, there's so much... Um, we're consuming every day different messages from the media and from ads and you should have this, you should want this, you should be this, you should buy that, you should look like this. So we have to break all that down. Um, so one really great thing is just to think about who were you as a child, right? Before you had all that conditioning, mm. what did you really enjoy? Think back to that. That's one really helpful way to uncover your purpose. Um, it is also a process of, yeah, journaling, you know, asking yourself a series of questions. Um, you know, what are my talents? Mm -hmm. What are my interests? I would say even beyond talents, because you can develop a talent, like, and a skill. Yeah. You know, you can develop skills. So I would say beyond that, it would be what brings me joy? What lights my heart up? What can I give to the world? What can I do that 
why am I here? It's definitely, yeah, the things you enjoy, um, the things that you're also what can contribute to your purpose as well are things you've learned along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Challenges you faced, experiences you've had, definitely turning your pain into purpose. Mm -hmm. You can really alchemize that so powerfully and so beautiful. A lot of, I wouldn't be able to help others in the way that I help others now if I did not have my own set of challenges and traumas in life. If I did not have that, I would not be able to understand other people and what they're going through and their hardships. I would not be able to empathize. And my traumas and things, they stem back from my earliest formative years from childhood. So I've had to spend a whole lifetime undoing those as well. And I do believe that partly why I'm able to help empower others is because I have experienced pain, Mm. different forms of pain. And I have been able to turn that into something purposeful. And what I've gone through, my hardships, I would love to be able to help other people get through their hardships based on that lived experience, right? Nothing is in vain. Nothing goes to waste. We've been through so much. And that's why you'll find a lot of artists and musicians. A lot of them have had, you know, quite difficult years, difficult upbringings or difficult experiences in life. And that's how they've been able to create such brilliant, you know, deep kind of, yeah, work. It's, it's such a um, counterintuitive idea, right, in the sense that, like, going through so much trauma can lead to such the great works of arts, but it also makes sense to a degree as well. Like, like you said, changing your, or converting your pain into art, and I think it's very admirable where you don't want people to experience what you've experienced, but at the same time, you want to help them, if they have experienced it, how can they accelerate through that kind of phase of wilderness like quickly? How do they get out yeah. of it at a much faster pace and even end up at a much higher level than they even expected? Exactly. Yeah. How can you better cope with, deal with, manage? How can mm. you move past it? Yeah. Because sometimes you go through things and then you get stuck. You know, it, it, it overpowers you. So it's how can you let go of that and move forward in your life? And I don't think I would have wisdom if I didn't have those experiences. I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't be able to to really empathize and understand what other people go through. So that has actually, and, and we all go through something. And just knowing that we all have something that can help others that can benefit others so it's looking within who you are as a person your strengths your what you've been through right your lived experiences challenges maybe you've overcome all of these can help others and I really love the reason why my program focuses on finding your purpose and turning it into a personal brand it's so you can be of service to others This is why when I had a retail brand, it didn't really take off because it wasn't in alignment with what I wanted to do. I did really want to serve other people. I wanted to really help other people and make an impact. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Because on that as well, like, how do you how do you help people find authenticity? So let's just say, for example, someone believes their purpose is around just helping people or like manage through like things that they go through, but they don't have the necessary credentials. So they're not like a psychotherapist or they're not a financial advisor. So for them, they're struggling with the legitimacy angle of like turning their purpose into a personal brand. Like how do you help them overcoming the need to feel that they need to be like a hundred percent expert when what they have in terms of knowledge is probably good enough? That comes, yeah, that definitely comes with confidence building. Mm -hmm. And just taking action. So for me, the biggest, the greatest tool that I have in my belt would be action steps. Mm -hmm. It's like any time I felt I couldn't do something, I just take a step and I try. Right. And if we don't, and this is, that's another, which I was getting to with manifesting, that's another key step as well. Because if you don't take those action steps towards it, it's going to be very difficult to attain that, attain whatever it is that you desire. So taking small, doable action steps every day, whatever you can do, is great. So I normally, in my membership, I normally, when we're doing like a manifesting, goal-setting, intention-setting session, I normally ask people to write down what is a step you can take in the next 24 hours? What step can you take in the coming week and in the month ahead? So you've still got that focus, right? But then another manifesting step is letting go and surrendering. Because at the end of the day, things will happen at the perfect time, whenever it's meant to happen. We don't have control over that. So when you let go of control and you surrender and you allow, you're not blocking the path. You're not getting in your own way. When you try to force something, right? So let's say you're running after something. Look what's happening. I'm pushing it away right? You're running after something. You're, it's going like that. But when you're here and you're calling something to you, right? You're just surrendering, but you've, put, you've set the intention. You've put it out there. It's coming to you. So it's not about chasing it in this direction. It's about allowing, allowing that to come to you because you've set the intention. You have the clarity, You have the why and do it in the present tense. So when I was talking about scripting, writing about what it is that you desire in the present tense as as if it's already happened. Because if we say, I want this, I really want this, we're highlighting the lack, the fact that we don't already have it. So if we're saying that, I have this, we are claiming it as if it's already ours. And you should always do that with gratitude, right? What you appreciate, appreciates in value. So always do that with gratitude. I am so grateful that I have this XYZ, this exact role in this company. I'm so grateful that I've got this dream role in X company 
because this has been my lifelong dream and it's come to reality and now I'm able to live in my purpose. I'm able to do something I love, which lights me up, which gives me X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you desire. Mm. So it's about getting really clear on that. So that's the scripting. And then you let it go from there. Yeah, no, I love it. And that's such a great saying. What you appreciate, appreciates in value. Mm. Thank you very much. I'm going to take that <laughs> um, And also like that whole chasing after things, chasing after something and it running away from you. It reminds me of the abundance mindset. Like what's for you will be for you. Like don't force it. Um, like it's coming your way. Yeah. Kind of vibe. Um, Moon, thank you so much. Like I feel like I could be talking here for hours. <laughs> There's so much um, to discuss, but no, I really, really appreciate your time um, speaking here with me today. So I had a couple quick quiet questions for you. Sure. So first question, if you had to describe your current journey in three words and your vision for your life in three words, in another three words, what would those six words be? So my current journey has been, I would say, and it's just been an exciting roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. And there's no other way it should be because that's what life is. It's going to be a series of adventures mm -hmm. and always looking at that's just another really important thing to, to note. Any setback, don't look as look at it as a setback. Look at it as an adventure, as an opportunity to realign, to reassess, to recalibrate. Yeah. Look at it as an opportunity to just take another direction, right? There, any form of rejection is redirection. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's been a constant redirection. So yeah, an, an exciting roller coaster ride. And um, for the future, I would say the future is just going to be a journey to continue, I would say a journey to keep tapping into the limitless my limitless soul. Interesting. Yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's a journey towards unlocking limitless. Awesome. Um, through that period during COVID when you was consuming all that material, mm -hmm. is there one book or one film or one resource that you'd recommend? A, starting, a great starting point is You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Jen Sincero. Um, this is because I was suffering from a lack of self-worth and confidence. This book really helped to remind me that I am a badass. <laughs> and it did help to slowly rebuild my confidence. So that's a really good starting point. Awesome, awesome. And um, last question. Is there one piece of advice that you wish, into, that you, wish you listened to earlier? That would be my father's advice. He said, prioritize being completely independent before anything else. Mm -hmm. Before any relationship, before anything else, become financially independent. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely advice I wish I took sooner. But it's, it's never too late for that. Awesome. And then final, final, final question. 
where can people find you? So they can find me on Instagram at moon.onyx. So that's O-N-Y-X and then dot star with a double R. So that's on Instagram. And my website is um, moononyxstar.com. Awesome. Moon, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Yummy. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Take care.